Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John, and this is just a short bonus episode where I'm going to answer a few voicemail messages that I've received. And the first message I've got is from that wily devil and my fellow Purple Worm host, Pete Jones. So take it away, Pete. Hi, fellow Purple Wormer, Pete Jones here. Just want to say good episode you did on the property and finance for Lamentations of the Flame Princess. As you say, it's easy to port across to uh, any of the other types of BX systems. So it really give it a good look is if you're interested in that. The other thing I think Lamentations did really well was their encumbrance system. It was the first system that uh, I used in a game where all the players um, used it. It was so simple, having slots for your characters, and it was baked into the character sheet. So any item they got, it was just a matter of where they put it. Was it an encumbered item or was it a non-encumbering item? Um, and that gives you the, the movement. So, yeah, encumbrance is one that also really helps. And I think a lot of uh, games since then have devised simple encumbrance systems, which players actually use. Uh, because, let's face it, nobody ever used the original one in D&D. Far too complicated. Cheers, dude. Speaks again soon. Thanks very much there, Pete. Pete's absolutely right. I'm glad to hear Lamentations getting a little bit more love since I know it's fallen out of favour for various reasons recently. However, Pete's absolutely right. The encumbrance system in Lamentations is another great subsystem. And in case you're not familiar, I've dug out my copy of the Rules and Magic version to give you a bit of a rundown. Now, essentially, Lamentations of the Flame Princess governs encumbrance by a number of points and depending on how many points you have that determines how encumbered you are the more points you have the more encumbered you are and that affects your movement so for example if you have zero to one encumbrance points you are unencumbered you can move 40 feet around in combat you can run 120 feet you can travel 24 miles a day if you have five or more encumbrance points you are over encumbered your movement drops down to zero feet in a combat round zero feet for running and you can travel no miles a day you can literally not move your weight down with so much stuff the category below that four points is severely encumbered you can move 10 feet a combat round you can run 30 feet and you can only travel a poultry six miles a day on foot so as you can see piling up the equipment in lamentations really does have an effect on game if you're struggling around in plate mail weighed down with packs and whatever you're not going to be as nimble as someone who isn't so you might be saying well how do the points work well basically if you're wearing chain armor, that's a point. If you're wearing plate armor, that's two points. If you're carrying six or more items overall, that's another point added on. If you have 11 or more points over, sorry, 11 or more items overall, that's another point added on. You've got 16 or more items, again, it's another point. You've got 21 or more items, it's another point. Or if you're carrying an oversized item, and these are labeled in the equipment chart, then you get 
a massive one point per item. So that means there's none of this trying to black like a grand piano as a single item or anything ridiculous like that. And those are all cumulative. You add up your points, look at it on the chart. That's how slowly or quickly you're going to be moving. And there's obviously like various extra rules for like mounts if you're loading up horses and whatever. Now, if we look at the equipment list quickly, you there are a number of items that are italicized, so like candles, chalk, very, very small items. Those do not count towards encumbrance. So you can carry as many sticks of chalk as you want, obviously like within the reasons of common sense, and you're not going to have to worry about it. You're not going to be like, oh, I've got 20 sticks of chalk. My man can't run anywhere. You'll be absolutely grand. However, items that are listed in both italics and bold, so like tents, 10-foot poles, much beloved of RPGs, and riding gear, those are oversized items, and you get that hefty plus one encumbrance point per item with all of those. So if you're carrying a 10-foot pole, some riding gear, a tent, and a 10-foot ladder, you are severely encumbered, even if you're carrying nothing else. And as Pete says, this is a really simple system when you get into it. And it actually sort of makes encumbrance. I'm not going to say it makes it fun because I've not got a really, like, I've not really got a mad on for sort of like putting together like shopping lists or anything like that. It's like the chore I have to do at the weekend. But it's certainly the most simple and unintrusive encumbrance system that I've actually bothered to sit down and use rather than just get, nah, forget this and skipping on. So thanks for that recommendation. Pete, and let's crack on with the next voicemail, which is, I believe, from Jason. Hey, John, Jason here from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Man, it's been a few years since I've read the Lamentations of Flame Prince's rules. I don't remember that stuff being in there at all. Those are very good rules from the sound of it. I will definitely check that out. And I mean, I'm not running any long term campaigns right now. But if I was, I would definitely use those rules. I'm sure if you search high and wide, you could find more complicated rules for both hirelings and property investments. But really, why would you want to? Those sound like they're complicated enough to be interesting, but simple enough not to really impede the game. So thank you so much to Colin for pointing it out to you and for you to bring it to us listeners. Excellent episode. I look forward to the next one. That's Jason there from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thank you very much for your kind words, Jason. And yeah, if you've not checked out Lamentations recently, I do urge you to give it a look. It's one of what I like to call my fallback RPGs. And I may do an episode about this in the future, but it's one of those RPGs where if I'm running like another OSR game or even another system and I'm thinking, oh, how do I, how do, I do this? What's a simple and fun way to do this that's not going to, as you say, interfere with the game? Lamentations is one of the first places I go to because there are subsystems in this like there are in many of the different versions of D&D. But I don't know what it is about Lamentations. The, they never seem to take their eye off the fact that it should be simple, streamlined, and fun. It adds a flavor of something to the game, like with the um, the rules for hirelings uh, and property from my previous episode that you referenced in your call. You get a bit of a flavor of it, and it adds a little bit of a, a, little bit of a sort of different aspect to the game, but without 
taking it over or losing sight of the fact that this is supposed to be a fun game of adventuring. So thank you very much for your call, Jason. And what, what, what's that? Is that, a, is that another call from Jason I hear in the distance? Hey, John, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Finally finished the Burning Wheel episode. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I would definitely be interested in playing a game like that. I worry about a company like that that doesn't maybe fully support the products. And when I say that, like, you know, talk about, well, they may or may not produce the best in the future, and some of the stuff's hard to get. I understand why they don't want to put PDFs out there. Honestly, PDFs of all the Burning Wheel stuff is out there, you know, illegally. So they might as well put it out there and sell it because people like me would buy it. But, yeah, it seems like a neat system, neat idea. I don't know if there's enough support for it and enough people willing to play it that would justify the expense of getting into it. But it was great listening to your player report. So thank you for that. That's Jason again there from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thank you very much for your call, Jason. Yeah, it, it's a weird one because although, as I'm sure you've worked out, I'm an unashamed fan of Burning Wheel. We've done a couple of podcasts talking about it. There's a couple of actual play videos that I've done up on my YouTube channel. I'll put links in the description where Johannes Pavela has kindly run some games for myself and Matthew Bryan, who are both faces or at least voices. You may recognize from some of my longer group podcast entries. And we've really enjoyed that. It's been great fun. It's not been as complicated or difficult to get into as I thought it was going to be. And But yeah, I do sort of agree with you. The whole like no PDF things is a little bit weird to be honest um now it doesn't really bother me and i can sort of see the philosophy that i've i've heard sort of quoted that you know they want you to buy like the rule book and treat it as an artifact and i can see that because the rule book is pucker in terms of the quality it's absolutely gorgeous and for me because obviously suffering from epilepsy and stuff like that i can't read pdfs on screen for any length of time without going cross-eyed and getting a headache so for me if i like something i always end up getting a hard copy anyway but i think if that wasn't the case for me i'd certainly find it even stranger that they don't do pdfs and like you say there are various sort of knockoff PDFs out there. Not that I'm encouraging people to go and look for those because I think, you know, if the amount of effort that's gone into Burning Wheel, if you do want to get into it, you should definitely buy the book and throw some money at Luke Crane's way. But yeah, it's a strange one. Likewise with the the lack of a, a decent bestiary and the sort of odd sort of drip feed sporadic uh, release schedule that they seem to have. It, there do seem to be a number of factors that would discourage a, a casual person from just sort of picking it up and giving it a go, which seems a little counterproductive to me. And I suppose you could say, well, the game's written from a point of view that, you know, you have to put a certain level of commitment into it. And perhaps the sort of way it's done weeds out people who might not be able to do that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want your game to, to be popular and to get more people playing it to make it worth releasing stuff in future... You want to make it as easy as possible for people to get in stuff. But, well, that's just my opinion, I suppose. None of it is going to dim the fervor that I'm rapidly developing for Burning Wheel. 
and I'm hoping once I've got a few more games under my belt, and maybe I've put together like a cheat sheet for myself, just a quick reference sheet that I might actually dive into running a game myself. But as I say, despite the fact I'm playing a few a sort of short campaign and maybe a few one shots at the minute, I do really think that Burning Wheel is written for campaigns. And that sort of stuff is often quite difficult to get together, you know, player schedules and stuff like that. But we'll see where things go in the future. So thanks to all my wonderful callers. That's Pete Jones from the Dragons Are Real podcast. And of course, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thank you to both of you. And thank you to anyone who calls in. I really do enjoy listening and answering your voicemails and putting out these little bonus episodes. It's one of the great things about Anchor and the OSR Anchorite community in general. So thank you very much to listening to me ramble. I will see you soon. Until I do, take care and whatever you're playing, have fun and enjoy yourselves. See you soon.